welcome to another episode of the Spirit of 2016 podcast. It's the first win in about 10 years. It doesn't come against the literal worst team in the world in San Marino. It's Northern Ireland 2, Denmark 0. Completely meaningless game, but just really, really, really nice to win any sort of football match against any sort of a professional team. I'm Andy Bell, and I'm joined by, by Peter Baker and Stuart Cherry. Um, and Pete, yeah, it was just it was just nice and enjoyable. It starts quite quite normally. Um, I think we were, were fairly solid for the first 30 minutes. We definitely do ride a little bit of Denmark pressure towards the end of the first half. We do probably end up a little bit uh, lucky not to go in 1-0 down. But once we ride that, Denmark don't really threaten. And I don't think either team could have complained um, for having lost that game tonight. We're in the balance. We match them. And albeit it wasn't the best Denmark team in the world, like I'll just take that after this absolutely gruesome campaign. Oh, 100%. I mean, it sounded like on the TV, the feel-good factor in Windsor tonight was back. Something that we just haven't seen the whole campaign. I'm just... I'm delighted for the players who have turned up this campaign. You know, the younger guys who have just gone out and got battered by teams who aren't highly ranked in the world. And they finally got a taste of what it's like to play for North Ireland. And hopefully that creates a hunger, something positive to hang your hat on going forward. Um, yeah, just rubbish campaign, but delighted with tonight's result. And probably, I know it wasn't the greatest Denmark team, but probably the biggest scalp we've had. Since it's the first time we've beaten a team yeah. that are above us in the FIFA rankings since Ukraine in Euro 2016. Really, I didn't hear that. Right. That is a mad start, Wait, actually. I mean, Denmark, can't be far off. Yeah, Denmark can't be far off the top 10. Yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to check what position they are, but that is our first time beating someone above us in a competitive match, which is actually kind of horrendous in, in one sense. Yeah. I mean, it's probably testament to how high Michael did take us originally is the other thing. You know, he took us up to the top 20 in the world, and that's only four or five years ago, and we all know um, it doesn't really doesn't really take any sort of a genius or, or any sort of analysis to work out. We haven't really won that many games, excuse me, in the last four or five years. But sure, it, it was, it was, you know, it wasn't an all-encompassing, incredible Michael O'Neill knowing that performance by any stretch of the imagination. We're still quite a mile off it in certain aspects. But there are a lot of young players in there, and I think you know there were there were uh, screenshots going about today of all the players or the eleven that could have played that involved players who were injured tonight, and it's certainly a stronger eleven than than what we put out on paper. But as Pete says, fair play to these lads because the likes of Isaac Price, you know, who it takes quite a bit of character to come back from his performance against Kazakhstan because he was absolutely brutal in that game, and that's yeah. only what three or four games ago, four or five, and he's turned. He's turned it around from that into someone who's ended up with two international goals. And probably when we talk in this podcast about the players who were excited about off the back of this campaign, he's right up there at the top. I think with Shay Charles and Connor Bradley and the likes. So, you know, fair play to him. And um, and yeah, I, I just think if we're competitive like that in games um, and can actually take our chances and stay solid and not have a completely soft underbelly, and concede silly goals, and a bit of that's luck, but a bit of it is just like knowledgeable defending as well. And then we can compete. We can compete against those nations around that um, around that level. And as Pete says, if Windsor Park is like it like it is tonight after the first goal, with a bit of optimism, with a bit of belief, with a bit of hope, then you'd like to think that this team can still get results against Windsor uh, at Windsor against these teams around our level. 
it's almost for those young players, um, it was almost like a welcome to Windsor, like an official welcome to Windsor, because most of them wouldn't have had a moment like that. You know, we beat San Marino, won a few friendlies, but this team, you know, the likes of Hume, Toll, um, Price, Charles, Taylor, you know, they haven't really had that many moments in international football like that. Um, and it's just really, really pleasing. Um, despite the negativity of the campaign, despite the horrendous performance against Finland and, and Kazakhstan, um, the two best performances that we have throughout the the last number of months have both been against Denmark, robbed again, robbed by VAR, with the equaliser over there, but just a really, really solid performance. And I think one of the things that I really was really pleased about tonight watching the game was the first 15 minutes. We were really direct. We created chances. Dion Charles off the post. We could have gone 1-0 up. But despite the fact that we didn't take our chances when we were on top, despite the fact that Dem did get back into it and Hazard made a couple of good saves you know, in, in the first half and indeed in the second half, but that we were able to ride things out. Like we didn't score until was it the 61st minute. You know, and, and, and how often is that like us to to absorb the pressure, you know, maybe not take the chances that that we should have. Um and then, you know, to come up with I know we'll get on to it, but two like just really fucking brilliant goals. Like, like they really are quality, quality team goals. And I think that's just very, very pleasing. And I think there's almost this wave of re- like like a relief or a relief that is just gonna um, you know, go over the team, and Michael needed it because he was getting a lot of pressure. But yeah, I think for those players, it's such a, a statement victory for them, um, and one that they can go back to their clubs and actually think, you know what, I want more nights at Windsor like that, um, and get them up again for the the Nations League when it comes around. The next sort of meaningful game, Pete, is. September of next year, which is a long time away. It's eight months away. Obviously, we'll have friendlies in March. I think we'll have a presumably will be the we will be the team who other teams who are actually going to the Euros bring us along for a friendly to get battered to give them a big lift before we before they go to the Euros, like Belarus were for us. Like Belarus, yeah, let's say. <laughs> so you know, I'm sure that's going to happen, and that's going to be loads of fun. But it's a long time before we have the next the next sort of meaningful game. You know. By that point, sort of price will be a year older, Bradley will be a year older, Charles will be a year older. All these players have, you know, okay, they're not going to get much international experience in this next year, but they are going to hopefully get 30, 40 more games for their clubs, which will be absolutely invaluable for them. Um, and the guy I was watching it with tonight, just in my flat, said, you know, this, and it was a bit of it was a bit of a joke of a joke shout from him, but it could ring some truth. Is it could be a bit of Russia 2.0. From from 2013, where we have this dreadful campaign, it's it's Azerbaijan one point from six, Luxembourg one point from six, you know dreadful performances at home to Israel, but we do get that win over Russia. It's you know okay, it's not an absolute giant killing. You know Russia or Denmark aren't the aren't a Spain or a an England or a or a um you know or, or a France or whatever, but it was a big result, and and you know tonight is a big result for us. The likes of you know I think you mentioned in the first bit about the chances that we we don't really give away. You know, we're fairly solid. Okay, you know, in that 35 to 45, uh, 30 to 45 minute period, like the ball could bounce in off one of their arses or it could just drop and it could be a bit scrappy, but they don't, I don't think at any point tonight sort of tear us apart. And like, 
that's Casper Dolberg, who six years ago was talked about as a really good player. Um, and you know, Matt O'Reilly, who's being talked about at Celtic, is getting a big move as well. And like as I say, three or four really good defenders. Christensen, um, Anderson's raved about a Crystal Palace. It's still a good Denmark team. It's a Denmark team better than us, and it's bound to give them loads of confidence. Yeah, I mean it'll give them lots of confidence. I coming or leading up to the game, I was doubtful that we had it in us to produce one of those dogged performances where we just absorbed the pressure, hung on, and <clears throat> could then maybe rely on a moment of a one-off moment of luck or brilliance or whatever. We had a couple of those tonight. I hadn't seen any evidence really during this campaign apart from the, the last Denmark game that we had that in us, which was the most discouraging thing. Um, so th- I think that's where the, we'll get the confidence from. However, going into the next campaign, I don't, I don't think we can get away from the fact we need players to return. Tonight was an amazing result, but sorry to put a downer on it. It's you know you don't want it to paper over the cracks and get this false idea that we're going somewhere all of a sudden. You know this. Yeah. We need the quality players, and the difference is after that terrible campaign, we had Kyle Lafferty who scored goals, which you know where where's that coming from at the minute. But at the uh, time, nobody was. Yeah, at the time, yeah. That man, so you never know. Get your point. But we also had a spine of a team that was in the Premier League. Yeah, totally. And I think we, we, we need to be enjoy this. I it's, it may it doesn't happen often we beat a team in the top twenty in the world, but um we can we can't be basing this result on the next campaign and our expectations, like I think depending on who's in our group, that is. Um yeah. No, fuck all that shit. We're going to win the Nations League. Um, <laughs> yeah, the first goal is is genuinely really, really nice. It's like it's a really, really good Northern Ireland goal, and the type of Northern Ireland goal that I don't think we score under any manager in our history, aside from Michael O'Neill, because it's a real footballing goal. Um, and I think any you know any other Northern Ireland team. Jamal Lewis gets it and he just pumps it down the line. And don't get me wrong, we did a little bit of that tonight. And Northern Ireland will always have to do a little bit of that tonight. But Lewis, who has come in for a bit of stick, and I think he's, he still has frustrated me over these last two games in the sense that sometimes you just think, you've got pace, Jamal, get to the byline and get across. And even if it's a crap cross, keep them guessing. He sort of seems to do the same thing, play it very, very safe. He's suspect defensively, but the way he opens up that game tonight... Uh, with that chance in the 65th minute, which leads to the goal, is genuinely really, really good. He sends two Denmark players for the Belfast Telegraph, slips it into, uh, I think, is it, is it uh, he, he goes to Shea, sorry, is it Dion Charles first? Dion and Charles, Shea Charles. Dion Charles, Shea Charles, Isaac Price. It just felt really methodical for a Northern Ireland goal. You know, normally you, yeah. see, you view a Northern Ireland goal as almost like the chance Dion Charles had early doors where it's a big punt and it gets caught in the wind and it just sort of falls to him. But it was very methodical. It was a really, really nice goal with a load of young players being involved in it. Um, I think Charles, uh, Dion Charles does really, really well first and foremost because he's one of those players and we'll, we will actually do a bit on him later because I do want to talk about Charles' performance tonight. But he's one of those players who you think, is he just a pure goal scorer that can't do anything else and doesn't offer anything else in general play? And it's like, we've had plenty of those. We've had Will Grigg. Michael O'Neill didn't like him. But issues tonight... That you know the hold up play just releases it at the right time. It goes to Shea Charles. Um, Shea Charles picks it at just the right time. It's not a great finish from Isaac Price, but 
he's there and he ultimately forces it past uh, what is a very, very good keeper. I thought I thought it was a lovely, lovely Northern Ireland goal. It was a goal full of confidence, um, which I really liked about it. You know, the teals were up. I think Lewis, yeah, he's not been brilliant and I don't think he's maybe developed into the player that we hoped he would, but you can see the difference in playing first-team football and what that's done for him. He wouldn't have done that. You know, six months ago, you know, he, he had that. And I think he's looking a lot sharper, looking a lot stronger. But, you know, his little jink out from the back, the vision to find Dion Charles, his vision to find Shay Charles, who was, you know, offering that level of support. And then again, for Price, scampering down the, the right wing. And you know, he, he hit it low, he hit it hard, hit it near post. You know, as you say, maybe not the cleanest of, of strikes, but it's gone in and it's just it's just lovely in some ways like those players, you know, Jamel Lewis is what, 25? I know Dion's sort of 28, but there did seem like a, a beautiful youthness to the goal, which I really, really liked. And it's, as you I said, I think because Dion now. Charles has developed so late, I still see him as yes. 23, which he's not. You know. He's not. But you know what? Maybe the, he'll have a bit more longevity to him because he hasn't played, you know, from the age of, you know, 17, 18. But it was just really, really well taken. And I, I think this is the point for me that I'm just really pleased about. It's just the fact that, you know, this 60 minutes into a campaign where we have looked so abject going forward, we haven't scored in the vast majority of the matches that we have that we have played in. I think there's only, what, three matches that we'd scored in previously. Um, the two against San Marino and then the one away to Slovenia. So, you know, that is the, the thing that, yeah, just very, very pleasing, well taken. And I'm sure Michael must be absolutely delighted um, with it. But it's an interesting point you said, Andy, didn't want to cut in, but you're absolutely right. That Russia feeling that one game. And I think actually at, at the end of that campaign, we drew away to Israel. Um, so th- this idea of ending a campaign on a, on a, on a high note is, is actually really, really important because as you said, that set us up for the, for the Euro 16 one. And I know it's a bit of a cliche, but Michael, when he's gone back and talked about the Euro 2016 campaign, well, players, when they've talked about it, have said Michael just instilled that belief in us. And that's something intangible and something quite easy to say, but there probably actually is a little bit of truth in it. And that actually does, you know, when and we'll come on to talk about this, when you actually think about our campaign, it looks dreadful and it is dreadful, but we lose seven games and five of them are one nil. And if you have a little bit more belief in the team, it's actually not that difficult to see how you get potentially seven to 10 points out of what was zero points there. And I know that's a bit of a stretch and I know you need luck, but Bit of belief, few players back. Maybe the minus referee. four. What's there? Minus four goals. Minus four in the goal yeah. scoring too, Andy. You think about that finishing fifth and totally. having lost seven games. Totally. So you know we, we've we've won three and we've lost five one nil and we've got hammered in two and I wouldn't even call Slovenia hammering particularly because we're quite competitive in that game. Yeah. Finland away is different. You know, so we're yeah. we're relatively competitive in most games, even though it is absolutely dire and we're probably not going to get a, a draw this good again. Um, we'll come on to talk about the campaign in the whole. I do want to give some time to the second goal as well because I do think that's really nice too, Pete. Um, I think we scored two really good goals tonight. Um, George Savile, who's taken loads and loads yeah. of stick, uh, and always will, spreads a lovely ball um out to Connor McManaman. Obviously, at that point, the game's a little bit more stretched. You know, someone like a uh, a Dale Taylor who I don't think sets the world alight by any stretch of the imagination tonight, but. Someone like momentum comes on when it's 1-0 and you do get a bit more space and there's a bit more space to where you want to put your cross into. But isolates the defender, gets half a yard and Charles's movement, I don't know if you've seen it back, Charles's movement is really, really clever. 
Yeah. It, it's really clever. He makes a run to the front post, and he's got don't get me wrong, he's got space to run into, um, and he's got ground to make up. But he goes to make the run to the front post. The defender completely buys it, and then he just has loads and loads of space at the back post, and it looks like a tap in. But he's engineered that situation himself. Um, and yeah, just three three really good pieces of play again, which is has resulted in a deserved second goal, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I mean, it, the only way you can describe it is every time a player got the ball, as a fan, you can obviously see the whole pitch and you you can see what's on. Exactly what you were thinking is on and you wanted to play, came off. Char- Salvo hits a fantastic pass. I'm shouting at McMenamin, take him on, take him on. Takes him down the line, puts in a wonderful cross and there's your strike in the box for a tap and goal. It was, it's not much more you can beautiful. say. It was a beautiful, beautiful. Thing to watch. So well taken, so clinical. Something we've just lacked. I know Denmark, it's so simple, though, yeah, too, Pete. Yeah, it, it was made to look simple because everyone was so accurate and so precise in what they were doing. Uh, just touching on George Savile, I mean, he's comes in a lot of stick, doesn't he? But he, he always turns up. In front of, I, I know people will say, oh, it's you're getting called up to play for your country. It's a, it's an honour. But, you know, plenty of people have turned on the call or feigned injuries. He keeps on turning out despite getting the abuse. So, Please for him tonight as well. Can we talk Please. about his foul, Pete, in the first half, which is sensational? And it's part, it. part, it. it's, yeah, it's, it's part of what we've been lacking that little bit of nastiness as well. No, no. You know, you think that goal we can see the way to uh, sorry, at home to Kazakhstan, you know, yeah, all, it needs, him, some, all it needs is somebody to jump on his back, and that's exactly what Saffold does. It's <laughs> brilliant foul, yeah, he's not being passive anymore, which is <laughs> for a few years. Ago. But, yeah. You do miss Corey Evans for that sort of thing. And I think that's what, and even Stuart Dallas, I think we have really missed that muscle um, in midfield. And I think sometimes with the injuries or unavailability of Ballard, Cathcart, Johnny Evans at times, which has meant that McNair's had to play centre-back more. I think if you have McNair, you have Dallas. They, 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 they can play Corey Evans. They can play ugly at times and break up play, which... To, to your point, Andy, is exactly what we needed in some of these matches. I think in particularly that first game at Finland at home with Kamara, I would have loved to see someone just take him out early. Um, it's really strange. He dropped Savile for that, thing. actually, isn't it? Yeah, he, dropped, he did drop Savile for that Finland game, which, I, you know, I listen, Michael O'Neill knows more about football than the three of us combined times 100, but I, re- I couldn't quite understand that because it seemed a very O'Neill pick for that game. I couldn't work out why he didn't do that. And, you know, potentially it looks a bit different if we get something there. Well, according to the Irish League banter on Facebook, Michael O'Neill knows absolutely bugger all about football anyway. <laughs> if you see some of the comments on it recently, it is scandalous. It is absolutely scandalous what they're coming out with. Like it's, oh, but the, these these are the people who, you know, I see, if you think back to the comments about Isaac Price after Kazakhstan, everyone was jumping to it saying, you know, what a dreadful player he was. And then another, another international break later, and we're all talking about him as, has been really exciting. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't <laughs> certainly wouldn't allow Facebook to be your metric for analysis in any of this. But yeah, I mean, wh- where do you go for analysis? You can you don't go to Craigan. Um, another couple of classics from him tonight. I don't sorry, I don't know if you if, if you guys clocked on to the, the the this is probably a bit crude for the podcast. The part from when Dion Charles goes off and he makes an action yeah, yeah. which looks like he's enjoying himself. Craigan Craigan can't make the link, but he while he's doing it, he just goes. Look at that big smile. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was a really, really good goal. So, yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's deserved, exactly. Um, although it was but, only the 87th minute. So, yeah, we wait here in the changes. 
he made up 60 or 70, 50, 60 yards to get on the end of that pass anyway. That was the thing. If you look on the, on the TV camera, when Savile hits that long ball, McMenamin's the only one in the yeah. Danish half. You know, and, and this is the this is again one of the other beautiful things about the goal. It's just that 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 desire to get on the end of it. And I think this was the thing that after the Finland game, and I listened to the TV commentary, I listened to the radio commentary, and the thing that they were saying is we lack the podcast as well, Stu. Uh, well, obviously Ben and uh, and Dave's I thought they were quite calm actually. All, yeah, all things considered, but that that desire was one of the key things. And tonight it was the antithesis of that. We the desire was bringing out of every single player, um, which which was pleasing. But also, sure, uh, on that you say McManaman was the only one in their half. McManaman and uh, Smith, who come on at the same time, have bags and bags of pace between them. And you know when we are chasing the yeah, game, I, I can't really remember the last time we had like that much pace on in the wide areas. And natural wide players too. Genuinely, Sorry, I was going to say that. Genuinely, searing pace. Like even back in the days, you know, in the Euros, you're playing Dallas and Ward, both great players, but neither of them were absolutely patent to the byline and getting a ball in. Both of them can do that, and you know it is basic. But sometimes in football, just running really fast can help you a hell of a long way. And those subs were those subs were great tonight. I thought. Oh, but they didn't make the first sub until like the seventy-eighth minute. Mm-hmm. McManaman, Smith come on. I thought they did the right thing in taking Price and Taylor off. You know, Thompson comes on. It's a bit of a O'Neill favorite, isn't he? And then you know, Washington comes on at the end. But yeah, not a dummy you know, favorite I, I, though. No, 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 no. But who is? Well. Who is? Um, um, he'll probably be saying, "I told you so," because he thought Denmark were rubbish at the start of the campaign um, <laughs> in our two best games. Um, though they do top the group, um, I, I, I have to say, but. You know, I like, yeah. I think he, he got the the, the the subs absolutely spot. Tactically, I thought he got it right tonight. You know, and one thing I know we haven't maybe mentioned it. I was really pleased for the back line. Like Connor Hazard, that's his third, you know, competitive match for us. You know, he's been on the bench a long time. Best game he's ever played for us, and, and maybe ever will. He was really, really good tonight. But you know, Cole, Brown, Hume. They're in there. They don't have a lot of international experience in the whole grand scheme of things, you know, and or certainly haven't played brilliantly in internationals. And yeah, again, that was a, a you know really solid baseline to, to start from. Totally, and I think to be fair, you know, you look back at the uh, the twenty sixteen team, um, and obviously we have that spine of Premier League players, uh, Pete, as you say, but we also do have the odd one coming in. Your McLaughlins, your Fergusons, who come in and don't let us down. Now it can't be a back four or five of McLaughlins and Fergusons. But if you do get that quality in there, you know, you want those players to be able to come in and not let you down. I think, you know, Toll, Brown, um, I suppose you want McNair to be one of your back three, but the, the player, players like Toll and Brown that stick out for me tonight are, to me, have shown themselves tonight as, as, as players who can actually come in and, and can be counted. And they can't be the leaders. They can't be the, the best players, but they can come in as a third centre half and do well. I think that was clear. But one player... And feel free to touch on that. But I do want to just give a bit of a shout to Dion Charles tonight because I think he deserves a bit of credit for his performance. Um, as I said earlier, he can be seen as a bit of a finisher and nothing else. But I I, I really don't think that categorization is fair at all. You know, the the effort he has early doors is, is actually a sensational effort to get that on target. If that goes in the bottom corner, it's a genuinely world-class goal. And I make no apologies for saying that. It's, he does really, really well. Um. It's, I mean, for the last couple of games, he's put a couple of ridiculously unnecessary challenges in, which he does need to be a little bit careful about. But also, I don't mind a bit of that because, you know, the fight has been missing for a little bit of this campaign, I think it's fair to say. Um, 
And, you know, I mentioned his part in the first goal um, and making the second goal tonight. But at times, his hold-up play is good. He scraps, he holds it up, he finds a man. Um, and, you know, someone like Greg, who scored loads and loads of goals in League One, genuinely you looked at him and thought he can't do anything else except get the chance yeah. when he puts it away. Dion maybe doesn't score quite as many goals, but I think he offers a hell of a lot more in general play. Really impressed with him again tonight. And nice to actually see him get a proper chance over these two games, you know, 60 plus minutes in both. I'm really impressed. Yeah, and he he could have quite easily thrown the toys out of the prom at one stage as well, you know, constantly getting picked on the bench or being left out of squads um, after being convinced to, to play for us. And he always gets on the pitching and gives everything. You know, he's, he's very industrious, which is what we've got in the other strikers. And I think even throughout, I mean, the year since he's made it, did he make his debut against Malta, was it? Or I, I can't remember. Or was the yeah, state. it's around that time, yeah. Something around that time, you know, he his older player has always been decent. He's always seemed to have a, a bit more about his game. And, uh, you know, maybe, is, is he our Lafferty for the next campaign? Or the Those are things that have happened, like... Pardon? Do the thing is, yeah, yeah. But I, he, it's, it's an interesting thing to Pete about him. When he left Acton, because he had that one brilliant season for Acton and Stanley, twenty goals, and then the next season, do you remember he had that like um, standoff with the manager? Yeah. He wanted to leave, and everyone thought, myself included, like, is he a bit of an arse? Is yeah. he just gonna be one of those players? But his move to Bolton has—he's just been unbelievable. Ninety-four games, forty goals for Bolton. Like that's really, really good, even at League One standard. Like he's yeah, I, I agree. He he took his goal brilliantly tonight. He took his chance in the first half really, really well. And you know, he's shown probably a very, very good attitude for us. Um and probably coincided with his move to Bolton. It's just it's just worked out nicely. He's he's not like Greg in the sense where you could see him as a I mean, if if we could use the term a luxury player at our level, like he he will Gave as much as anyone else in the team, and he's got the mm. ability to finish. Whereas, if you know, even Lafferty at times wasn't going to last a full game or as long as as he would with the, the amount of pressing, etc. So it's a it's a much between him and Shane Lavery. Like I in my head think they're quite similar players. You know, they're sort of similar build. Maybe Charles is a better finisher than Lavery. Lavery's maybe a bit more industrious than. Than, than Charles, but again, the, the, I would I would quite like a situation to see those two play. He's probably just more reliable, isn't he? Fewer injuries. Lavery is seems just to be a bit of a signal. I mean, you really want him to come back and and star, but he, he needs a run of he needs a season injury free. I think get the games under the belt. I mean, you've seen the the difference Jamal Lewis getting game time has made. I mean, Lavery did he play after having very few club games? Yeah, um, and he. You know, he, he just didn't look sharp, and he's injured again now. I I I think uh, personally, and don't get me wrong. I when Lavery went across the water and got was it ten goals in the first half of the championship season, I thought Lavery is the answer to our our striker problems. He was playing away, to, he was playing against Switzerland, Terran, uh, Akanji, and Olvedia Park, and That's I right. thought that chance he had, didn't he? I thought yeah. this this is the he guy. This is the guy for us, and I just and I, I haven't seen him for Blackpool, and I apologize if I've got this wrong, but he just doesn't seem quite the same. After the injuries, he's still really young. He can still get that back. Um, I know he scores a couple of goals the opening game of the uh, opening game of this season for Blackpool, and I hope to God that he does because he is a really good option for us. But personally, um, and I'll let you go on this year. I I I think Dion Charles has that shirt now because I think he's done enough in this campaign. 
uh, to hold that. He should on, on relatively limited opportunities as well. You know, he starts the San Marino game. Uh, he gets the two goals. He is unlucky to have the disallowed goal against Finland, and then it feels like, and I haven't looked at it back, and these things can be in your head a little bit. Feels like he's sort of left out of the fray a little bit up until this international campaign, or certainly, you know, gets a start but taken off at half time. Whereas, as I say, it feels like McGuinness and Washington and Lafferty for years got start after start after start and opportunity after opportunity to to um to impress. Whereas, you know, Charles, okay, I'm not saying he was doing brilliant in these halves of football, but it feels like he had his opportunities limited. And it does feel as though Michael O'Neill very much has his team set for both games, you know. After the last international break, you'd have thought Paul Smith definitely would have been in the starting team. He was so impressive. And then he's taken out and and, and doesn't get a look in. McManaman the same. So you know, there is method to Michael's madness. I can't quite work it out, but, um, you know, he must have promised Charles the, the minutes here and uh, he has delivered. And yeah, there, there is a chance he, he can be that player who, given the opportunity and given a full a full campaign, can possibly get five or six goals. I don't think that's out of the equation. And that would be so, so invaluable for us because we haven't had that since Lafferty. Yeah. So I was looking at this. Oh, so- to make you guys are a little bit younger than me in 35 years I've been following the team um, we've had four campaigns where we've actually looked good which was Euro 96 where Ian Dye scored 5 goals Euro 2008 where Healy scored 13 goals Euro 2016 when Lafferty scored 6 goals and then the World Cup in 2018 where the goals were really spread across yeah. the team but we were very very good defensively so in what's that? Thirty-five years, we've had three campaigns where pl- strikers have scored five goals or more. That is what you need. Now I know Charles has got three. This campaign might be slightly distorted by the fact you're playing San Marino, but that is what we are always missing. Bar one out of every what is that? Once every ten years, you have a campaign that comes around. Now it's a, it's it's going to go on. Well, it'll be the tenth year uh, the, uh, anniversary by the time that the World Cup qualifiers come around in March. Uh, 25. So maybe the humans are honest that Dion Charles will pop up with six or seven goals in that campaign and, and see us through. But I see no reason, Andy, why he shouldn't be given the shirt now. We've got the Nations League coming up in September of next year. We've got friendlies. You know, the Nations League looks tough. Like the, the group of nations that we're drawn against or could be drawn against isn't isn't easy. But we really do need to take that seriously. You know, we're in with potentially Romania, Sweden, Armenia, or Russia, um, Luxembourg, Azerbaijan, Kosovo, Bulgaria. You know, those are all quite awkward sides. So, but we do need to be making sure that we're taking that competition way more seriously than we have done. Yeah, totally agree. And like those sides, I mean, I think when we went out of the League C, we had it in our heads that this was going to be Maltas and Georges and Gibraltars. And it's absolutely not as teams that are it's our not. level. <laughs> Northern Ireland are a League C team right now. Uh, and that's the reality of it. And that's not saying you're a minnow. It's saying you're somewhere in between the minnows and we're Northern Ireland, we're under Michael O'Neill because we weren't the League A team under yep. Michael O'Neill the first time. We were a League B team. So that's just the level we're at. And it does give us opportunities. And without going into the permutations of it, I don't I don't think even I have been bothered to, to look into it this time. But I'm fairly sure if you win your group and you're in the top two group winners who don't qualify automatically, then you can get a playoff or something ridiculous like that. But the main thing is basically that we need to um, we need to get ourselves up to League B again because if you're in League B for European Championship qualifiers, then you're in with a chance of uh, you're actually in with a chance of qualifying even through like just uh, places filtering down right the way through like we did in uh, in 2020. So I think that's the main thing for that. But but Pete, last word to you because 
Just want to talk about a few of the po- positives of the campaign before we wrap up. We've done a solid half hour there. Um, I think Price, you'd say, second half of the campaign is very much someone who... It's a debate as to whether he's in our best 11 right now. I personally would like to see him start the Nations League games and keep being given that chance. Don't really still know what his position is. Um, He's very nondescript, but what he definitely does have is quality. Um, And that's something that we can't turn our noses up at. And I just think the other yeah. ones are Shea Charles and Connor Bradley, the young players coming through, but also a couple of options, even older players that we've discovered in this campaign, you know, McMenamin and Smith weren't talked about before this and albeit they're what somewhere between 25 and and, and 28 29 between the two of them they're yeah. people they're players who have come on and made an impact um and been effective in this campaign so young players coming through but we've also unearthed or i'm not sure if unearthed the right word but we've discovered some new players that can actually make an impact here of the experience and of the level already um and yeah if we get things right over the next nation's league campaign you never know bit of luck Let's see. Yeah, I mean, we've experimented with teams. We've found we've gone into the depths of players who are eligible to play for us, and you just hope we get some injured players back, and then we can plug the gaps with these players that we've impressed. Who've impressed during this campaign? I think it was cru- tonight's result is crucial because players aren't stupid. O'Neill can't keep building them up, building them up and have nothing to base it off. You know, players will work that out very quickly. So this is something that he can refer back to time and time again to give players belief and hope moving forward. And the same goes for us fans. Totally. Happy days. Um, let's wrap it up there. Thank you very much, Stuart. Thank you very much, Pete. Um, thanks very much to Dave and Ben as well. I've contributed to what has been a challenging podcasting campaign it's fair to say um but we've had a nice finish to it we've beaten denmark 2-0 decent side um and hopefully fingers crossed this can be a little bit of confidence that we can take into the next nations league and hopefully it can start getting a little bit better again we can get a little bit of hope back um we can start having some more positive podcasts because i think as a couple of people have pointed out it has been a bit negative recently but it's only what we think we'll always be honest we'll never sugarcoat it for the sake of it or because that's what we feel is our job our jobs to, to come on here be honest and, and and speak our minds and that's what we've done throughout the whole thing and that's what we'll continue to do for as long as this podcast is a thing so thank you very much to everyone who's listened over the campaign thank you very much to everyone who's contributed um and yeah well i don't know when the next time we'll see you is don't even know when the next fixture is but we'll definitely be there to do it take it easy bye-bye